good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victors. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. Hey, we discuss local, national, and native news and events. And I always like to be right once a day. So, uh, Haley, native issues are human issues. And human issues are native issues. Mm-hmm. You are right, Daga. This portion oh, of the show is supported by Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon, supporting honest native news stories and events from natives themselves. Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon. Hey, I just got to give a quick shout out to all our Patreon people out there, and we really appreciate them. You know, Haley, when we were uh, fighting COVID and all our advertisers were shut down and we didn't have. Uh, people uh advertising our show uh the support we got from patreon was just unbelievable and we really appreciate that now too so i just want to give everyone a big shout out that's been a patreon uh member and also is a patreon member so big peeny geeky um yeah so it, it we're gonna have a awesome show today and i want to talk a little bit uh about that, before we get going, uh, tomorrow we're going to be live at All My Relations Gallery in Minneapolis on 1414 mm-hmm. 1414 uh, uh, Franklin Avenue. And um, we're going to be there at 530 live with the show, or 5 at the show live. And then 530 we're going to be with uh, Kathy Coates, who's uh, going to be our guest. Uh, and she did, uh, wrote the book, To Banish Forever. Secret Society, the Ho-Chunk, and the Ethnic Cleansing in Minnesota. And so we're really excited to uh, to support that and um, talk about the removal of Ho-Chunk from Minnesota, which is, uh, it's a it's a told story, but it's it's it needs to be really told again. And uh, I, I believe, too, that people that under 40 years old really don't know this story. I know a lot of our relatives that are older know that Ho-Chunk, this is their, the land, our land, too. Mm-hmm. Here in Minnesota, and also before there were boundaries, and also we were removed by the state of or by the federal government. And right now, you and I, Haley, are living here illegally. We're not supposed to be living here. Ho chunks are not supposed to live, be living in the state of Minnesota because we were removed in 1862. Right. Which is, yeah, I agree too that I think a lot of maybe Ho-Chunk people, if you're enrolled Ho-Chunk or even Winnebago, you might know the history of how the original Ho-Chunk people were pushed uh, from the state, uh, even um, from the Great Lake there in the Green Bay, Madison area, all the way west to the Toma, Black River, Wisconsin Dells area. And then from there, we're pushed to the Blue Earth Reservation just um, near Mankato. And mm-hmm. then from there, even to uh, Winnebago, Nebraska. So Right. And not to mention, uh, we were pushed up north, too, to go between the fighting Lakota Dakotas and the Ojibwe, and uh, that was ridiculous too. Because why would they put uh, people between people that were fighting? Um, so, other than trying to get rid of them, you know the the land uh, there. And Kathy will talk about this uh, because we're going to have her on today. The land that uh, our relatives were pushed off to, uh, right in the middle of uh, growing season. You know, they had crops in their houses and. Uh, uh, white settlers just came in and took over their stuff as the military put them on uh, boats and trains to get them out of here, uh, Minnesota. And it was over, you know, which kind of surprised me. I thought, I didn't know the number, but mm-hmm. it was over a thousand uh, uh, Ho-Chunks that were removed. Yeah, quite a bit. And I'm excited to read this book of Kathy. Kathy Coates is just, she's a great uh, historic historical uh, researcher. Uh, she is uh, working for the meta database at the U of M uh, in the Twin Cities, the libraries. 
And I just think, well, I hope that we get a lot of people come out to All My Relations tomorrow um, in Minneapolis on the American Indian Cultural Corridor there uh, and just show support, you know, um, whether you're Ho-Junk or not, you know, it's just great to have our ally- allies there uh, in to support and just hear our truth. And it's good, too, to just uh, see people, and it'll be great to see. I know there's quite a few people uh, that will be there that we know that we're friends of, and we're just opening it up to everybody to come on down, get a book, listen to the author, listen to uh, Amy Lone Tree. Uh, she's an author of Decolonized Museums, uh, representing the Native American in the National and Tribal Museums. Um, and I know she's done other books on Ho-Chunk, and she's a professor out in... Uh, uh, Southern Cal, I think. Yeah, University of California, Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, cool. And uh, so she'll be flying in too. And so it, it's going to be a celebration, but also a kind of a um, a mourning too of what uh, happened to our relatives. Because as you know, Haley, uh, it talks a little bit about this. A lot of our relatives didn't make it to the next move, which was mm-hmm. Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too, if we were to go down to that land and maybe research uh, what's underneath the earth. And I don't know what you would find, you know, maybe some relatives, you know, that didn't make it to the next push. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let me just read this. It's on the back of the book and the book will be there and she'll sign it. And Haley and uh, uh, your my my uh, Hinu will be there, too. Uh, Jalisa mm-hmm. helping you out. Yep. And in 1863, after the end of the U.S.-Dakota War... A group of white men in Mankato, Minnesota, formed a secret society pledging to expel the Ho-Chunk from the nearby Blue Earth Reservation with the goal of claiming for themselves some of the richest farmland in the world. Mm, It's going to be a really, really great talk. So if you're free tomorrow, come join us out at All My Relations Art Gallery, 1414 East Franklin Avenue out there in Minneapolis. But since we're speaking on Wisconsin, kind of the Ho-Chunk history, we have a great update from the Wisconsin governor, Tony Evers. So let's go ahead and take a listen to the governor of Wisconsin, Tony Evers. Hey there, Native Roots Radio. Governor Tony Evers here with my weekly update ensuring access to clean drinking water, including getting PFAS, lead, and other harmful contaminants out of our water has been a top priority for me and my administration. Last year, we successfully secured the first real investment by legislative Republicans to address PFAS contamination statewide after years of asking for their urgent action. The bipartisan budget I was proud to sign into law last July provided $125 million to address and prevent PFAS contamination statewide and to help get resources out to the folks, families, and communities, whether they rely on municipal water supplies or private wells. Unfortunately, even though this investment was deliberated, negotiated, and approved during the budget process, Republicans have refused to release these funds, even as families and communities across our state are trying to mitigate the effects of PFAS contamination across our state every day. I recently submitted a formal request to urge Republicans to release our $125 million in investments to address PFAS and to take action to protect Wisconsin's groundwater, but there's been no further movement to date. Folks, this funding shouldn't be sitting around in Madison waiting for Republicans to get their act together. We have work to do to make sure every Wisconsinite can trust the water coming out of their tap and to keep our kids, our families, and our livestock and crops safe from contaminants. I'm calling on Republicans to release $125 million in funds to address PFAS statewide so we can continue our work to ensure Wisconsinites have access to clean, safe water that families, farmers, communities, and so many others rely upon every single day. Thank you. Back to you, Robert, and Native Roots Radio. Hey, a big peenigigi to uh, the governor of Wisconsin. Uh, really, those they, they need to do something, and we need to do something about that. PFAS. I know. I know. And PFAS, they're so bad for the environment. They don't break down and they move through soils and contaminate your drinking water and they build up and bioaccumulate in fish and wildlife. It's just not good. 
Yeah, I'm glad the governor of Wisconsin's talking about that because that's a real deal. Hey, you're listening to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and we have uh, Kathy Coates up next here, author of To Banish Forever, A Secret Society, The Ho-Chunk, and The Ethnic Cleansing in Minnesota. Hey, we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Oh, When we heal from our traumas, when we face our fears, let go of our addictions, when we relearn our values, when we live our teachings, respecting our elders, cherishing and honoring our children, when we honor and take care of our spirit, there will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. As we pack away the ornaments and bid farewell to the holiday season, it's time to unwrap the gift that keeps on giving, getting protected by a COVID-19 vaccination. This is your chance to make a difference, especially as our Native communities face higher COVID numbers. Those higher numbers underscore the need for collective action. So answer the call and get vaccinated. The latest vaccines are not just authorized, but they're proven effective against the current variants. This is extra protection, even if you've already had previous vaccines, since previous vaccines will eventually wear off. Plus, the new shots are FDA approved for ages six months and up. A COVID vaccine is not just a shot. It's a pledge to safeguard the wisdom and stories handed down by our elders. So join the movement, get vaccinated, and make 2024 the healthiest year ever ever securing a brighter future for our Native community. For more information, including details about clinics offering free vaccines, visit vaccines.gov. Signing up for $1 bus and train rides with the Transit Assistance Program, or TAP, is quick and easy. Do it straight from your computer or phone by uploading one of the pre-approved documents listed at metrotransit.org slash TAP along with a copy of your ID. We'll mail you a go-to card with a full year of discounted rides. For questions or translation help, call Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Historical Society Press and All My Relations Arts, presenting a book reading and signing of To Banish Forever, A Secret Society, The Ho-Chunk, and Ethnic Cleansing in Minnesota, written by Kathy Coates. Yes, it is. And uh, we uh, are so blessed to have Kathy on because she's on her her book signing world tour, and we're uh, absolutely happy to see her on. And uh, Great job on TPT. Uh, I happen to be down there with you and uh, really excited to have you on, Kathy. Welcome. Thanks, Robert. Great to see you. Right on. Hey, uh, you know, what What made you, uh, or, or what, is the, what is the book about here? So the book is really about uh, ethnic cleansing that happened in Minnesota, but it really focuses on the super society, secret society that, um, they targeted the Ho-Chunk people while they were there. Uh, it happened after the U.S.-Dakota War, and they sort of unfairly targeted Ho-Chunk people after they used the Dakota War as an excuse to target Ho-Chunk people, which is why I make an uh, argument in the book that this was about that this was ethnic cleansing and really a part of a larger genocide that was happening in America at the time. Of all and, of the tribal nations. So that was uh, in 1862, 1863, uh, for our listeners out there? Yes, yep. So in 1862, the Dakota people, um, they were waiting for annuities to be brought from the government, and they were basically at the brink of starvation because the government was failing to uphold the, their part of the treaty, and they were forcing them into these starvation conditions. They wouldn't, they kept extending credit and uh, refused to 
open up food stores, even though they were starving. And so it really just pushed Dakota people into warfare at the time. And so, so over the winter, no, over go ahead. the winter, um, all the colonists, settler colonists in the area, uh, basically, they were just bloodthirsty for Dakota people and really Ho-Chunk people too. And the man, the men in Mankato, all the town fathers, the lawyers, some of them were state legislatures. They mm-hmm. formed this secret society as sort of a way to pressure the federal government into forcing a removal without any treaties. So why, why did you write this book? This book is, um, this book is meant to be a start of justice work for Ho-Chunk people in the state of Minnesota. It's meant to recognize that Ho-Chunk people were here in the state before it was a state. They always were here. You're still here in the state. Um, this, the historical society and the state in general really recognize 11 tribes who have been here, but Ho-Chunk people are never listed in that. They're never added into history, or rarely, I should say, mm-hmm. added into history. When there's Dakota War commemorations, they're rarely a part of those commemorations. And this is really just meant to bring attention that Ho-Chunk people are part of Minnesota. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. And I remember talking to you uh, quite a, a couple of years ago when uh, when somebody, Barry Hand, uh, forwarded me your uh, college thesis mm. and on the removal of Ho-Chunk. And uh, to me, that was amazing because two things, uh, you had information there. And you had names too, and and specific things about the secret society, and also how that came about with the building, um, the building memorial box that was in that building. Yeah. So after uh, about a decade or two after, well, maybe it wasn't that long. It, it was about seven years actually. It was found later, but um, a few years after the war. I believe it was Sheldon Barney, who I think was a member of the Knights of the Forest. He participated in this ceremony at Mankato State University. And at the time, it was really common to put time capsules in the cornerstones of buildings. Almost all of the state universities in Minnesota had some kind of time capsule in their old main is what they called the first building that they built at the state universities. And so I believe it was Sheldon Barney because there's newspapers articles describing him being at the ceremony and speaking at the ceremony and putting things in the time capsule. Um, the, somebody though put this ritual document in the time capsule. And this ritual was sort of a program for their meetings and their ceremonies. It contained their oath of office and sort of described their ritual ceremony that they would go through at each meeting and somebody printed this on a printing press in 1863 minnesota only one of them has survived but i can imagine there was more printed right well it's interesting too uh i got the vibe when i read your book uh was that this person was kind of uh braggadocious about it and wanted to be uh part and involved in a lot of things and uh, was kind of showing off and really didn't look forward to what may be possible ramifications or how fe- how people felt about how uh, the Ho-Chunk or anybody was treated back then. Right. The articles he wrote, uh, he sort of presented that they saved the town from the Ho-Chunk people and they would wow. the Ho-Chunk people would still be there today if it wasn't for this Knights of the Forest group, mm-hmm. um, which is debatable if that is true, but um, yeah, he he sort of, they try to brag about it. Um, they, they were they were bragging about it without bragging about it, I guess, if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> but, <All right. laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. So, so you know, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, that's cool. I think um, one of the things too, because it turned into a, uh, a book, Tell me about that process and also uh, tell me what you learned after, you know, your initial uh, paper 
for your grad studies turned into a, a book. Uh, you must have found a lot of different, uh, you know, where's the bodies buried, basically, uh, and a lot of names and things like that. Well, uh, when I was writing the paper, I had a one-track mind of finding these guys and who they were, and um, I had four names right away. So once you have four names, it's not too hard to figure out the rest of them, especially these guys, since they were state legislatures and bankers and lawyers. They were all over town. They still have their names on the streets and um, Charles Chapman has uh, his house is on the National uh, Historic Register. It's still standing in Mankato. Um, so I was really focused on trying to find more names. Um, and I was also trying to find out if they actually committed actual violence. So mm -hmm. there was one story where by one of the nights who, where they said they would send men, armed men out to the reservation to surround the reservation and lie in wait so that they would shoot anyone who left the reservation. And so I thought there must have been some murders. And so I was looked through all of the newspapers in Mankato looking for any report of anything happening to Ho-Chunk people. And I read the, all the agent letters and everything I could find. I did find one report of um, a murder happening over by the cities and by the Mississippi River. Um, but, you know, there's also a lot of quotes from people saying a lot of these uh, killings and murders went unreported and because it was, there just wasn't a lot of law enforcement or, you know, just people weren't really watching. And, and right. so there might just be some that were lost, lives that were lost and I'll never know from the record. So, um, so there was that, but I was overly focused on, on finding out more men and I never did find that. Mm -hmm. So after I got the contract with the historical society to write the book, I wanted to focus more on, uh, fleshing out some more of the Ho-Chunk history. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, Little Priest Tribal College, I went, I got books from there. I, the tribal historic officer helped me with things from spelling of the leaders' names. Mm -hmm. um, there's just lots of, I heard from people on different leaders in my, um, in my thesis, I focused on certain leaders and not other leaders in the Ho-Chunk history. So I brought in some more such as Dandy, yeah. and um, who is a beloved Ho-Chunk leader. Mm -hmm. um, and that was something I didn't know when I wrote the paper. So um, just things like that, things that are not only trying, I tried to find more information on those four men, but it was definitely, um, it was, I definitely was able to better flesh out some more of the Ho-Chunk history before they came to Minnesota, which is something that my paper was lacking a lot. You know, uh, we are here with Kathy Coates, and uh, Kathy is a uh, researcher, uh, right, Haley? Yes, she is. Kathy Coates is a lifetime Minnesotan who lives in St. Cloud, Minnesota, and she's currently a metadata specialist for the University of Minnesota Libraries in the Twin Cities. Wow, and we're up next, and we got a big signing and reading coming up we've been talking about for a few days. We'll talk a little bit about that, but really, really talk more about the book. Thank you so much, Kathy, for being on. This is Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. Life can be hard. Sometimes it feels like there's no answers, like there's no way out. Hennepin County's Cope Mobile Crisis Response is here to listen and help you find a way through whatever is going on in your life. Call 612-596-1223 for no-cost crisis support anytime, anywhere in Hennepin County. That number is 612-596-1223. The City of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month right here on AM 950.
Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live and and let howl. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hey, if you're like a lot of people, you're probably relieved that the holiday celebrations are over. But there's one thing that might stay with us from the holidays besides all those gifts. And that's COVID-19. Numbers from COVID are going up as we spend more time inside. And Native Americans are seeing even bigger case spikes. With all the indoor celebrations over the holidays, you may have unknowingly been exposed to someone with COVID-19. That's why it's important to stay vigilant. If you notice any symptoms like a fever, a tickle in the throat, or heavy fatigue, take an at-home test. They're still free and can be ordered at sayyeshometest.org. If you do test positive, you're eligible for free treatment, and no health insurance is required. Visit health.state.mn.us to connect with providers and receive your treatment. Let's make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. Are you remote workers putting your company at risk? Not sure what steps to take to secure your data? Hi, Mark Sommerfeld from Rymark. The Rymark team is guiding our clients through these difficult times. In fact, demand has been so high, we created an easy-to-follow guide with the five steps to securely work from home. It's yours free. Download our five steps to securely work from home now at rymarkit.com or call 651-328-8900 for a no-cost how-to discussion. With a look at your AM950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Cloudy tonight with a low of zero, wind chills down near 15 below. Wednesday, sunshine with a high of 8 above, but wind chills of 15 below. Don't drive too fast or you'll miss Scotch Mama's Hot Barbecue offering big taste out of a little place. On the corner of Nicolet and Diamond Lake Road in South Minneapolis, just west of I-35W. Scotchamamas.com. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Historical Society Press and All My Relations Arts, presenting a book reading and signing of To Banish Forever, A Secret Society, The Ho-Chunk, and Ethnic Cleansing in Minnesota, written by Kathy Coates. Hey, and we'll be there tomorrow to, to uh, celebrate the opening of the, uh, the opening, the, <laughs> uh, the release of this book. Yes. Uh, and uh, Kathy will be doing a, a reading and a Q&A, and I already know that there's going to be a lot of people there. We just stopped there. Haley and I to scope out the situation because we're going to do our show mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow live from uh, All My Relations on 1414 uh, uh, Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. So come on out there and uh, uh, her books will be for sale. Mm-hmm. And also we're going to bring a little swag too uh, from Native Roots Arts too to sell, like a little hat and shirt and things like that. But uh, again, hey, uh, welcome Kathy and uh it's interesting. Welcome back. It's interesting. Haley and I were talking a little bit. She's in studio here at uh, at the Hordosh, uh, uh, the blue blue clay house here in, <laughs> in Minnesota, and uh, we were talking in between the break. And one of the significant things that I always bring up, and maybe you can more elaborate more on this, is that uh, the uh, Knights of the Force were the precursor of the clan. Yeah, I mean, they. I ask, get asked a lot uh, to compare them to the Ku Klux Klan or were they like the Ku Klux Klan or were there some of the same members in the Ku Klux Klan. Um, but the Ku Klux Klan uh, did not come out for a few years after the Knights of the Forest, actually, because um, the Civil War was actually going on at the same time as the U.S.-Dakota War. 
Uh, and so the Knights of the Forest were really only in existence for about four months, uh, from January till May, or at least that's what they said. Um, mm. But they did say they had hand signs that they would recognize each other decades later on the streets. So, uh, so they always, I do talk in the book about this secret society tradition with the Freemasons and the Odd Fellows, and there was one called the Knights of the Golden Circle who um, they would argue for slavery. Um, they're proponents of slavery in the South. A golden circle of slavery is what they wanted. Um, but these, there was not a lot of Knights of the Golden Circle in Minnesota, but these other secret societies, all the men in Mankato were parts of some secret society or another, or some fraternal organization. And I talk about how they're kind of like a social web. They all um, were in this organization and that organization, and it gave them connections with each other. They would, it would also give them connections when they went to a new town, uh, when they would just move and they wouldn't have strangers everywhere, then they could go to another Mason and have a friend in that town. Um, but that was all before the Ku Klux Klan. Um, <laughs> so yeah, these, they were around before the Ku Klux Klan right here in Minnesota. Well, what's interesting, too, is that uh, the secret society and the other secret societies you talk about, one of their uh, goals is genocide. Right. So, and not only gang, early gang signs, but I'm interested. Uh, we, I haven't heard you talk about this, but I, I'm really interested in, and you don't have to get too deep in it, but what was some of their rituals? So, well, they were just sort of like, they would call, they would have the worthy chancellor, and then they would sort of go through an oath where they would take an obligation, where they would say, I, whatever their name was, do solemnly swear to use all everything under my power to cause the removal of all Indians from the state. That's a direct quote from their ritual. And the title of the book, To Banish Forever, is actually directly from the ritual. It's wow. uh, to banish forever every single... Indian that is in this state of Minnesota. They don't even mention the Ho-Chunk people in the ritual. Um, the only mm -hmm. reason we know that it was about the Ho-Chunk people is because of all the newspaper accounts that they talked about later. Um, but they would have hand signs and they would go through these sort of, they modeled it after the Masons. Masons mm -hmm. was sort of the golden standard of fraternal orders and they would have objects and, and, you know, it's sort of like a, and robes and very sort of medieval, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. almost like an, an academic graduation or like a church ceremony type thing where they would go through these rituals and then they would learn a hand sign. And, um, but it was, they had a whole process on how to recruit people to the organization. They would sort of try to figure out if they were on their side of the issue of removal. And mm -hmm. then they would secretly bring them to this meeting. And then after they knew they were on their side of the issue, they would bring them into a back room and then ask if they wanted to be in the secret society. Even the recruiting process itself was sort of a ritual. And then they went through an initiation process. That was another ritual. And the worthy chancellor was the leader of it all, which is wow. the same name that the leader of the Masons, I believe, used the worthy chancellor. <laughs> wow. Hey, so let's talk a little bit about what happened directly to the Ho-Chunk uh, and how uh, they were removed and, and where to. So when they, in all through the history, the Ho-Chunk were removed five times to five different reservations. Mm -hmm. They were removed first to Iowa, and then they were forced to Long Prairie, and then they were moved to Mankato. And then the reservation, uh, the next one was in Crow Creek. And the next one is the final one in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And all that time, Ho-Chunk sort of moved back and forth. So a lot of them just refused to ever go. Um, but in, from Mankato, the removal was sort of, it was very, it, they had been trying to remove them the whole time. They first, they had petitions before Ho-Chunk even became, even came to Blue Earth County. And then the whole time they were in Blue Earth County, they kept sending petitions to the state to please, re please move the Ho-Chunk reservation somewhere else. This is prime farmland that mm -hmm. we want to have. 
So um, once the war happened, then they sent more petitions and they thought the government will surely remove them now. And at this time, out at the reservation, they had just cut the reservation in half and they were trying to force the other half into what was called allotments. So they were mm -hmm. trying to break up the half of the reservation into smaller, uh, so each family had their own little parcel of land, which which a lot of uh, tribal nations uh, feel threatens their sovereignty because it takes away their land and sovereignty. Um, that's an issue of its own. But at the time when they started forcing them off the reservation, the people who were resisting allotment decided that they wanted allotment because at least it gave them title and ownership of the land because they would give them patents and legal ownership. Mm -hmm. uh, but that, that it, it was too late for that. So Congress, uh, they signed an act of, con there was an act of forced removal from Congress. There was the first time they were moved without any negotiations or any treaties. The Ho-Chunk right. people never got to speak on their own behalf. Um, Coming Thunder Winnesheek was one leader who had to be forced by gunpoint by soldiers off the land. He mm -hmm. was the last, his group was the last to come. Um, and then they put them on ships and they shipped them down the river and back up the Missouri to Crow Creek in South Dakota, which is the most destitute place. And hundreds and hundreds of people, Amy Lone Tree, historian, Amy Lone Tree, who will be with us tomorrow night, has wrote about the devastating loss of Ho-Chunk people during that winter. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. Hey, uh, on the bright side, let's, let's talk a little bit about Dandy. Uh, I, I think the, what, a, what a character, and his name was Roaring Thunder, so it's Wakanja, Wakanja uh, Jari, it looks like. and uh, Kind of like yours. Well, I'm Distant Thunder. <laughs> uh, and I'm Dandy, too. Talk a little bit about Dandy, because uh, uh, he's kind of a character. Yeah, Dandy is, he was called Dandy because he had fanciful dress. Uh, so he wore <laughs> bright colors and, and all of that, but he... Yeah, he was definitely a character, and he would—he um, was kind of a prankster on the uh, on the U.S. soldiers. They were always trying to force him off, out of Wisconsin, and they would arrest him, and then he would run away, and they would arrest him again. And he would uh, one time he pretended to be sick, and <laughs> he got the soldiers to carry him into the carriage, and then they they untied him and then as soon as he was free he took off running <laughs> well he had gone back to wisconsin i don't know 10 times more than that i mean he uh, just to reappear after being uh pushed off to one of the five places you spoke of earlier yeah and that was a really common um all through throughout all the years the agents would get letters from wisconsin saying please come get the Ho-Chunk people. They're, they, they, they're all over. And, and uh, they would try to send bounty hunters and they would pay bounty hunters to go arrest them. And, and uh, they did try, the, in 1873 was probably the most devastating. They had the U.S. military go and do one roundup in, in 1873 where elders were crying and kissing the ground. And they, they put them in boxcars on a train yep. and brought them to Nebraska to the reservation and that was that was probably the worst moment in all of the removals that I that I read about and that's um you'll you'll hear that in Ho-Chunk history when you read Ho-Chunk stories and Ho-Chunk books and um that's that was really a a moment that lives on and they'll talk there's in their memory about being put on the boxcar trains you know, uh, in researching this, because you are a researcher, what was the most surprising thing uh, for you to go, oh, my God, I did not know this, or that surprising, surprised you the most? Uh, I think, well, the whole, just the existence of the Knights, I think, was, was a little bit shocking. I think mm -hmm. a lot of Minnesotans like to think we were on the good side of the Civil War, uh, but there was just a lot going on here in Minnesota, and, and they were really committing genocide and ethnic cleansing right here in Minnesota. And so, you know, were they on the good side? I, you know, <laughs> I right. don't know. But, for which um, race? I would, mm -hmm. Right. 
And I would say the story from 1873 that I just said was really a, um, that was probably, a, a, it was heartbreaking, I guess, more than shocking. But the, right. when you read about the pain that they were in being forced onto the box, onto the train, it's, um, it's really heart wrenching to, to read. Right. And I always feel like uh, when we were pushed off all the way to Nebraska, we were really pushed out to a rock to die because there was no there was no land really to farm as uh, uh, one of the things that was brought up in your book. And is that there were uh, crops already in the ground and it's the most, uh, you know, the best soil in the world. And they were removed and people just moved into their houses. Yep. Just started taking up all their fields and use their crops for the rest of the year. Yeah. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for being on. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. I still don't know what I'm going to wear, but I'll probably end up wearing my polio tie and jacket like I always do. We're excited <laughs> to see you tomorrow. Sounds great. Hey, this is Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and that was Kathy Coates, the author to Banish Forever, A Secret Society, The Ho-Chunk, and The Ethnic Cleansing in Minnesota. Thanks to everyone who's continued to support AM950. Good news, the AM950 2024 calendar is ready to go, featuring photos I took around Minnesota and important progressive dates. Members that sign up with a one-time $25 membership will receive a 2024 AM950 calendar as a thank you. Make a one-time $50 or $100 donation, you'll get the AM950 calendar and the brand new AM950 tote bag as a thank you. Go to am950radio.com for all the details on the membership. That's am950radio.com. Thank you so much for supporting AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Become a teacher and ignite change. Join the St. Paul Urban Residency Program to become a teacher in just 15 months. You can earn your master's degree and teaching license from the University of St. Thomas while earning a $30,000 stipend, single health care, and dental benefits. As an added bonus, next year's cohort, all residents will receive $20,000 towards their tuition. Apply now. Applications due February 28, 2024. Visit spps.org backslash s-u-t-r. As we age, it's important to invest in our health and to help protect it. Like the flu, COVID-19 is always changing. That's why it's important to stay up to date on your vaccines. By getting the flu and COVID-19 vaccines, you can renew your body's defenses and lower the risk of getting sick. Get your health boost and protect yourself against the flu and COVID-19. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. That's vaccines.gov. The city of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, right here on AM 950. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Hey, that was a great interview. That was a good one. Yeah, one in a row. <laughs> I'm, on a, I'm on a roll now. No, uh, w- w- the, just give that quick shout out again about tomorrow at uh, 5.30 at All My Relations in Minneapolis. Yeah, we'll be uh, doing Native Roots Radio. We'll be, be beginning a broadcast at 5 o'clock tomorrow live at All My Relations Arts Gallery, which is 1414 East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, January 17th. Uh, the book signing and reading will take place from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Yeah, excited to be there. Amy Lone Tree will speak, and uh, I'll say a few words, but Amy will have a lot more great things to say. And I think Bill Quackenbush might show up, which uh, would be a great uh, great deal. And he's our uh, historian out of uh, 
Ho-Chunk, and he'll have some great words. He's excited to see and hear about the book, too. And I think he was one of the people that helped uh, Kathy uh, vet out a lot of uh, pronunciations and uh, correct spellings and uh, oh, good. and correct history, too. So Awesome. So, again, it's what's interesting about this, Haley, is that uh, this book is that you know, Kathy's a researcher, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's not full of opinions and romance. It's the straight uh, story of what happened to Ho-Chunk and uh, how it happened and who did it. And uh, a lot of the the characters, as she said, uh, that were in the Knights of uh, the Forest uh, were prominent uh, Minnesotans. Yeah, and just, I'm. I was curious to hear that one of the the houses of the Knights of the Forest is still standing in Mankato and is actually registered um, in the Minnesota, what, what'd she say, the history? Uh, yeah, um, land, um, uh, yeah, the, a building historical site or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Curious to but, see, you know, I haven't, I've only been to Mankato once, but curious to see and maybe just walk around that land and kind of pick up on what, what you're feeling walking around there. Yeah, and I don't know what... You know what kind of spirits are there, but yeah, some man. ancestors for sure. I just got to say one thing to that: land back. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of a a thing, and I, I'm sure Mankato, um, knowing a little of the background of the history, nobody's really helped with this book from Mankato or re- returned any emails, which yep. is not surprising because they have no. blood on their hands with the 38 plus two, mm-hmm. and then there's this. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of a lot of history that they're not facing and would be nice if they did and only to acknowledge it of course uh the people that were mainly involved with that are not alive so i mean that's that's talk about real history and i think that's that's kind of the fight we're dealing with now in 2024 is whose history are we uh are we reading are we reading you know the all-white history you know mm-hmm. i saw uh, uh, on a TikTok, it was funny. I can't remember who it was, but basically, somebody that was doing uh, curriculum for a, a, a school district basically erased every uh, BIPOC person on there. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and can they do that? Yeah, they can do whatever they want. You know, uh, when it comes to that. So that's what we talk about and what we're fighting and what this big election is going to be about. Uh, coming up, the presidential election is: Are we going to be? Uh, a nation that's growing and healing or are we going to go back to uh the days of old and maybe even um more fascism than uh you know and what's concerning about that is a bipoc person and supporter of all our bipoc is that uh they'll come for us first but uh um our other friends uh you'll be next so Mm. that's that's the that's what's on um What's on the agenda and what's on the, the platform with this uh, next presidential election? Um, you know, last night Trump won uh, by over 50%, but the, the, really the question is there was 50% of those uh, voters that were against him. Right. So there, there's the other side of that. Here's a, here's a former president that can't get um, uh, a high amount of people to vote for him in his uh, in his election so that's another way to look at it right yeah and talk about a secret society you know that's doing <laughs> he's no not good. secret though <laughs> exactly he's exactly a public you, society yeah he's gonna you know i've seen this more and more often it's like i'm gonna drill 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 my first day and he means drilling oil and i'm sure he's got some uh some people that are paying him off there for that too um but it'll be interesting today uh there's, he's in a court case after winning. How, what kind of irony or what kind of life or what kind of supporters are dealing with that when you have uh, the President of the United States, uh, former President of the United States, wins a uh, wins a, an election in the Iowa primary and then the next day is in court <laughs> for rape. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. And then people are still voting for him, but... Uh, we outnumber them, Haley. We just have to ignite our, our people and get our people excited and uh, register uh, and tell uh, our young ones like yourself and younger that, um, you know, it's worth uh, joining in the democracy if, uh, you know, you wonder what happened or these things. It's like uh, 
we have to engage and we have to, you know, um, get out there and get the vote out there. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I just want to go back to Amy Lontree for a second. Yeah. Um, Amy will be with us tomorrow at All My Relations Arts Gallery. Uh, tomorrow evening, Amy's also an enrolled Ho-Chunk. Yes. And she's the professor of history. at. <laughs> yeah, that deserves a round of applause. Yeah. It does. Uh, Amy's a professor of history at the University of California, Santa Cruz in California. Her scholarly research focuses on indigenous history, visual cultural studies, and museum studies. Her publications include Decolonizing Museums, Representing Native America in National and Tribal Museums, a co-edited book with Amanda J. Cobb, The National Museum of the American Indian, Critical Conversations from 2008. And she also co-authored the volume People of the Big Voice, Photographs of Ho-Chunk Families by Charles Van Shayek from 1879 to 1942. Well, and my great-great Choka, which is grandpa, uh, has a picture in that book, and we have it blown up here in the studio. Yeah. And so he'd be your great, great, great Choka. Great, great, great Choka. Yeah. I see the re- resemblance. Oh, thank you. Me too, as, as in you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, from, behi- from behind, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I just want to give a shout out. So Amy will also be speaking mm-hmm. um, at the Great Plains Art Museum, January 25th at 5.30 p.m. Uh, this will be part of the Centering Indigenous Voices in Museums series. Uh, she'll be talking about her book, Decolonizing Museums and Memorials. Mm. Um, this speaker series features Indigenous museums and cultural professionals who are working to change the narrative and elevate Native creative expression. So that's a big one to check out, too. Uh, keep your eye on Amy Lone Tree. She's doing really, really great things for all of us Natives and specifically the Ho-Chunk. Yeah, and it's good. Uh, it'll be good to see her again. And uh, I know her and Kathy have become fast friends and um, speak a lot, uh, especially with the, the opening. I always want to say the opening of this movie, <laughs> but the, the, Someday, the, maybe. the drop of this uh, book. So right. totally excited and uh, ready to, to move forward on this. Well, and I think now that you just brought it up as a movie, it kind of reminds me of the Osage Nation and their fight for their oil. And it's kind of like the Ho-Chunk and their fight for their soil. That rhymed, but also uh, I think that was going on all across Turtle Island. And there's some degrees, but there's always been removal. They've always wanted, uh, the white settlers and the government have always wanted our land. We'll move us, you know, with Osage, they move into a rock rock too, you know, not to to be able to... to farm there, and then they 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 had a smart uh, lawyer that said they wanted to keep uh, what was up uh, below the ground and above the ground, and mm-hmm. that's how they became the richest people in the world at the time. Well, well, another good show there, Haley. One in a row, uh, or two in a row, or we're up there many shows in a row. Getting up there for sure. <laughs> Hey, if you're part of the resi- if you are listening to the show, you are part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops. The ground on which we stand on is sacred ground. It is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. And free Leonard Peltier now. <laughs> <laughs>